Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Thanks for joining me this week. My calendar says that this week, four years ago, I started the first episode of The Last Symptom Podcast. So do you know what that means? That means that uh, this week, this episode is the very last episode of the fourth season. So I'm going to take next week off, and then when I come back and you folks rejoin me, we will be in the fifth season of The Last Symptom Podcast. Gosh, got to get some uh, clowns to come in and ride unicycles, juggle oranges, oranges of course, have some dancing ladies pop up out of some cakes, and uh, we'll, we'll figure out something good. How's it going for you in your efforts to distinguish opinions from non-subjective realities? Remember, we talked about that last week. So, have you been practicing? Have you been practicing when you're watching the news or you're uh, watching an interview with somebody or you're hearing a couple people have a conversation out on the sidewalk? Are you practicing picking up when the discussion completely revolves around matters of opinion or preference? I got a Coca Cola here and I wanted to ask you. Uh, what's better, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Well, I asked the question wrong, didn't I? <laughs> there is no such thing as which one's better. There's no such thing as one being better than the other. There's only such thing as which one do you prefer, right? There's only such thing as which one do you prefer. Um, last week I told you it's about seeing these folks get into an argument about whether or not that stand-up comedian was funny or not. And uh, we talked about how there is no such thing about whether he's funny or not. You know, that as some kind of non-subjective truth. But there is such thing as, is he funny to you? Right? And so I was thinking about some other things where that applies. And people get real bent out of shape over what just amounts to opinion. Uh, Coke versus Pepsi is one of those. Uh, and, and believe it or not, you know, I, I tell you that my friend Jeff and I disagree on so many things. There's one thing that we agree on. We both prefer Coca-Cola. Can't really stomach Pepsi. But it's just a matter of opinion, like my Uncle Beetle says. Recently on some social media platform, I was watching a conversation about the new Batman movie. It's called The Batman. And uh, one feller on there, I reckon he was probably in his early 20s, uh, was getting real bit out of shape. Anybody dare say that they didn't like that movie, The Batman. And he would go into this big old presentation about why the Batman is the best Batman movie that's ever been made. There's a perfect example of somebody who is unable, has not learned to view opinions as just opinions. You know, uh, my mentor Dave Selvage used to say that 
opinions and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee uh, that's that's about what opinions are worth you know they may be worth a whole lot to you but outside of that subjective bubble uh, they really don't carry any tremendous value for for anybody else do they so this fellow he him arguing about the Batman being the best Batman movie of all time and going on and on about why it's the best Batman movie of all time I mean really detailing it out comparing it to these other movies I mean is he no matter how convincing he is I mean it is all is him pouring all of his emotional energy and time into this argument gonna turn what is purely subjective into some non-subjective reality no so really the entire argument that he's presenting is a demonstration of why he likes the movie so much right um, and there might be a lot of reasons why the movie is so beloved by him I, I thought it was okay it had good pr production value but boy it, it drags it drags and I don't think it's going to stand up to the test of time but there you go my opinion and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee what are some examples of things that are not opinions that's a an equally valuable exercise what are some examples of things that are not examples of opinions well I'll give you one let's say that you have a health a physical health issue there's some problem and you've got a physical health issue so you go to a doctor and the doctor says uh, I want to do some tests but here's what I suspect all right at that point when he says I want to do some tests and this is what I suspect that the problem is is that a non-subjective reality no even at that point even at that point all you're getting is an opinion right he's not telling you this is the problem uh, he doesn't know what the problem is at that point uh, when, when we go to the doctor and we say and let's say that the doctor says you know I think that the best way to do this or uh, to perform this procedure is this way and you say I'd like to get a, another opinion is it that the doctor is truly just giving you an opinion yeah it is it's truly that the doctor is just giving you an opinion now what is not a non-subjective opinion in that circumstance what is not an opinion is whatever the true problem is. Remember last week we talked about making distinctions? Do you see the distinction I'm making here? It's subtle, but it's important. What the doctor thinks the problem is and what the problem actually is are two different things, aren't they? Now, the doctor, he might get in there and truly discover what the problem actually is, and it it might be what he suspected it was but what the problem actually truly is and an opinion are two different things aren't they um, what would you rather know when you go to the doctor with a health scare would you rather just get an opinion or would you rather get somebody to tell you truly what the problem truly is you see there there's a, a difference because if you think about it, whatever the problem truly is, that is absolutely non-subjective. It, it doesn't matter what anybody's opinions are. Uh, if you go to the doctor, let's say you go to five different doctors, five different specialists, and each one says something different, how much value do the opinions have to you resolving this serious problem? Well, as, if, if they're just opinions, if they're, if they're merely opinions, they don't have any value to you resolving your problem, do they? But what if one of the five who expresses his opinion, he doesn't know yet, but he expresses his opinion about what the true problem is, and it turns out 
that that describes exactly what the problem really is. And then how much value does that opinion have? It has a lot of value because it, even though the doctor might not know it yet, his opinion is not just an opinion, is it? His opinion is actually describing the non-subjective reality. Once, if he were to be allowed to do his tests and he were to be allowed to get in there and see the true cause of, of your problems or the true source of the issue, then his opinion then or his suspicions would be confirmed and he would say, yep, what my opinion was is no longer an opinion. And it was never an opinion, really. It's just without getting in there and, and being able to look at the thing, I, there was no way for me to know for sure. But now that I have, I see that this is a non-subjective reality. This truly is what you were dealing with. I don't know if I'm confusing you or if I'm maybe even overcomplicating this for, for you in a way that maybe I shouldn't be, but these subtle distinctions, which is kind of a, an extension of our conversa conversation last week, are important to make, aren't they? Because I, I get a lot of people asking me, what's your opinion about borderline personality disorder? Well, you know, what, I, what I'll have to tell you about borderline personality disorder, about emotional health, stopped being an opinion a long, long time ago. At one point it was an opinion. I was working with a, I think this and I think that. But once I got into the process, I started seeing true results. I started seeing truly the relationship between the various parts of what makes up borderline personality disorder. Uh, then that stopped being opinion. That, that's not an opinion anymore. It's just like uh, a mechanic. All right. If you take your car to a mechanic and the mechanic says, well, I think the problem is this. That's an opinion, isn't it? But what happens when you take your car to the mechan a mechanic and the mechanic says, I don't think that the problem is this. I know that the problem is this. And I, I know exactly what's causing your problem. And I know exactly that I can get in there and I can fix it. And here's the price for me to do that job for you. There's no question in my mind. I, I know exactly what the problem is. I've fixed that same problem 400 million times. I've seen that same problem 400 million times. I'm going to go in there and fix it. Do you see the distinction between the opinion and what is not an opinion at all? It's, it's, an, it's knowledge of a non-subjective truth. Right? I guess that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between what is just an opinion, like the doctor saying, well, without doing any tests or anything, based on the things you've told me and, you know, me tapping your kneecap and listening to your heart and stuff like that, um, I, I, I would say it's probably this. Well, that's an opinion. But what happens when you go to the doctor and the doctor sits you down and he says, there's no question. The problem is exactly this. And I know exactly how to fix it. And that's what we're going to do. There's a man not expressing an opinion. There's a man expressing knowledge and recognition of a non-subjective truth. Right? Whatever the problem is, is what it is. <laughs> Whether people recognize that or not, that is a non-subjective truth. So the mechanic, when he listens to you describe the sounds that the, the engine of your car is making, and, and he's experienced and knowledgeable and wise. And he says, I, and what he'll do is he'll ask you some questions to isolate or to, um, to isolate certain possibilities, uh, to take those possibilities out of his consideration. So he'll say, when you turn the key, does this happen? All right. Um, and what, do, what happens when you do this? And what happens when you do that? And eventually he says, all right, the problem is this. He's not expressing an opinion. He's expressing knowledge and recognition of a non-subjective truth, right? The problem just is what the problem is. 
So that's true with um, my work here too with the last symptom. Um, I do express my opinions an awful lot, but not when it comes to how, or not when it comes to what the problem is if you're suffering from an emotional disorder and the solutions to it. Uh, then I'm not expressing my opinion. When we get off on the topics of what's better, Coke or Pepsi, you know, I'm expressing an opinion. When you ask me what's the best time of year to go fishing, well, I, I express my opinion. When I tell you stories about growing up or just share aspects of my life, a lot of opinions in there. But it, when it comes to what is the cause of emotional disorder, what is at the very root of it, that's not an opinion. That's not an opinion. That's just me having an understanding of and a recognition of the non-subjective reality. So keep working on that. Keep, keep going around practicing, recognizing when somebody is merely expressing an opinion because that skill can save you a lot of heartache, can it? Have no desire to get into an argument with Batman guy because he's not wrong if he's expressing his opinion. His opinion is that Batman, the Batman, best movie of ever been made okay you're right you're right as far as that being your opinion you can't be wrong if you're expressing that as some non-subjective reality like based on any metric based on any measurement it is the best movie ever made of all time well then you're absolutely wrong because you're expressing you're taking something as purely opinion and subjective and placing it into a frame of reference where it's a non-subjective truth that holds true no matter who you are, no matter what time you've lived in, no matter what your preference in movies are or anything like that, you see, so uh, that can't be so. Every once in a while I'll talk to somebody who says, gets on the phone with me or gets on uh, Zoom with me and says, boy, I, I was really nervous about talking to you. And that's touching to me. And, um, you know, of course, it's, it's a, I view it as a compliment. <clears throat> Even though, you know, I don't view myself as a, a celebrity or anything like that, I, I completely understand it. Here I am on your screen you're seeing me regularly and uh, or hearing me regularly on your uh, podcast listening device of preference and uh, after some time and after you get to know you know you've heard me talking so much and you get pretty familiar with me to get on the phone with me or to get on a zoom call with me could be intimidating now that's not because there's anything super special about me it's not because um, you know it's not because I deserve any sort of fanfare like that or anything like that you know when I start to show off by saying I'm just a regular guy I am just a regular guy but um, I'm bringing it up because it's understandable. And I thought Yins might like to know that it has happened to me too. Even after my recognition here with the work I'm doing with the last symptom, um, you'd think that with that type of attention that you would get to a point, well, let's speak from the first person, you'd think that, <laughs> one would think that I would get to a point where I'd say, all right, I see, I'm see, i receiving this, and I see that it, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as far as it doesn't reflect truly in any greatness on my part or anything, you know. And there might be even some 
aspect of it that involves people um, ma- making me out to be grander than I am. Uh, you'd think that with that recognition that then I would go out into the world and be immune to that sort of thing but I'm not I wanted to tell you a story there's a guy named Dave Canterbury he's a oh he's kind of like a frontiersman skills instructor kind of a wilderness survival instructor been on TV, been on a couple TV survival shows, and uh, I'd been following him for a while on Facebook back back in the day when I had the uh, the last symptom group on Facebook. I don't anymore. Remind me to make announcements here in a little bit. But what I wanted to tell you is I run into him one day. Uh, I was going to a Walmart. It was raining. And as I'm driving through the parking lot looking for a spot to park, lo and behold, I see Dave Canterbury walking through the parking lot pushing a a Walmart shopping cart. And uh, it was so unexpected that I immediately got kind of nervous and excited like oh my gosh he's right there and I'm I'm about to pull right up next to him so I uh, I lowered my window I said hey Dave as he's walking by and he stopped and yeah I said I I don't even remember exactly what I said but I just started bubbling forth all kinds of nonsense you know and uh, he said yeah and I started talking to him and he got a smile on his face you know he I could tell that he was uh touched that I'd recognized him that I was excited to meet him um, but what I failed to take into account was that he's standing in the rain I, I'm sitting in my Jeep perfectly dry and I mean it, it's raining pretty hard and I've stopped this guy to just to fawn over him and tell him how much I love his work and everything like that and you know he was very gracious about that but then he went he's pushed his cart again I think he was driving his wife's minivan (laughs) and started unloading groceries or just whatever the normal stuff you know that he was there to pick up at Walmart and I thought about that I mean afterwards I thought about that a lot I thought why did that happen to me I know he's just a normal guy I know he's as normal as you and me he's made of flesh and blood just like me He's just out there trying to make a living just like you and me. So why did that happen? Why did I get nervous and kind of starstruck when I saw him? Well, it's because it's human nature. It's, there's nothing unhealthy or abnormal about it. It's completely natural that um, when you admire a person's work and you've been following them for a long time, you know, they may not even know you exist because they're only one person. And there's a lot of people, you know, following them or enjoying their content or uh, appreciating their work. So when you meet that, that one person that you think, you know, I could go my entire life and never accidentally bump into this person, when you finally meet them, it's an exciting thing. It's just a, an exciting thing, and that, that excitement is kind of natural. Now, I wanted to tell you more about that. Eventually, I ended up getting invited to, to his house, and I went to Dave Canterbury's house, went out. He, has, uh, he owns some property, some wooded property, and uh, I got to spend the night out there. Uh, so I packed like a, a shelter of some sort, I went out there, pitched my shelter. There was about, oh, I'm going to say 30 other people out there that had been invited, people who follow his work and stuff like that. And um, spending the night there, he, he was there. But I'll tell you, it ruined, it ruined um, 
my kind of adoration of the man. Uh, not that he did anything wrong, not that he uh, was not very, very nice. For example, he fed us all. Uh, we had a big old pot of steaming chili-like soup over top of a, an outdoor fire, and um, he, he fed us all. You know, it was very hospitable to us all, uh, but he sat back the whole time and just like watched while the rest of us um, socialized and that sort of thing. Now he did do a couple of things like earlier in the evening he got out and uh, was trying to show this this guy how to start a fire uh, with friction with a, a bow drill. So you gotta it looks like a, a bow, like a bow and arrow but you wind that around a stick and with friction you can start a fire and so he was showing us all how to do that and trying to help this guy do it so he was actively involved in those sorts of ways but as far as just like the uh, associating you know just sitting around the fire and gabbing and talking and palavering and stuff like that um, he, he didn't join us he was up away from the fire sitting by himself uh, and there was a couple guys that are close friends of his and they were up there with him but he didn't socialize with the, with us so it was kind of like you, you know I got excited about going out there to his property and everything and getting to just sit around and just in a relaxed setting kind of talk to him and everything and, uh, and that didn't happen uh, he didn't he, he stayed separated from us and um, at one point I thought well this is kind of ridiculous the whole reason I come out here is to to get to spend time with him so I took my I had a little foldable chair I took my foldable chair up to where he was sitting with his buddies I sat down there and hey Dave yeah appreciate you having me out here and try to talk to him and everything and um, and he just wasn't very conversational really like short really short answers to my questions uh, was not engaged uh, and was kind of distant, um, very distant. And uh, I was telling you all this with the risk of this ever reaching his ears and him feeling like I'm bad mouthing him or something. I'm not bad mouthing him. I'm just ex describing my experience there. Like I said, he was very he was very nice, uh, but that was part of my experience there was when I got to spend the night there he was he was distant and so eventually because I wasn't getting any interaction like uh, engagement with him finally I, I picked up my seat and I went back down to the rest where the rest of the uh, folks were there down around a fire a campfire and then I heard him with uh, his couple of buddies just as engaged as ever you know talking it up having a good old time and I, I just got the impression it, the pleasure for him was seeing the people that he had invited enjoying themselves and enjoying the fire and being in the woods and that kind of fellowship and everything but as far as wanting to get in and be be in the middle of it I didn't get the strong indication that that was what brought him joy what brought him joy was sitting back and seeing what he had provided for people and them enjoy enjoying themselves nothing wrong with that right so what I wanted to tell you is that if I ever host anything like that um, e even while I was there on his property I was thinking you know if I were to host something like this last symptom relate related uh, that would not be my approach to it I, I would be more personable than that I don't want to be seem standoffish. I'd want to be right in the middle of everybody and give everybody as much of my time and uh, you know let let people use that uh, occasion to get to know me and uh, use that occasion for me to get to know them individually too. So uh, you know that's what I learned from that experience, and I'm sharing it with you so that you know that um, it. If you do get nervous, uh, you get an opportunity to talk to me or meet me 
and you get nervous, I, I perfectly understand that. I want to reassure you that I'm just a normal guy, uh, average really in almost every way. And, uh, but I appreciate it and I don't think it's silly. I think it's completely normal. It still happens to me because I'm a person. And uh, now, you know, even when you hear like these A-list stars, you know, like uh, Tom Hanks meeting somebody and getting uh, silly or giddy or excited about the experience, because uh, Tom Hanks is a person too. Have you ever had an experience where you somebody asks you about your life or about how things are going and things haven't been going too good for a while or you've come through a hard time and you you get to sit down with somebody that you admire and respect and they ask you how are things uh, going tell, tell me about how things are going and you're perfectly calm you have no sense whatsoever that you're feeling emotional and then as you start to talk your emotions completely catch you off guard and they well up and before you know it you're fighting back tears or maybe crying uncontrollably this has happened a few times when folks schedule a call with me and we get on the phone or we get on zoom and we start talking I can tell that this is what has happened uh, they start off they, they feel cool as a cucumber and within a minute or two they have to stop talking and they they apologize and they say I don't don't know what's going on and their emotions have welled up and and have overtaken them I wanted to tell you that I can identify with that too uh, and um, what's happening there is that when we're <clears throat> when we go through a hard time when we suffer some really challenging and rough times in life and we're dealing with it pretty much more or less alone which we are we're all alone in and of ourselves right we deal with so much on our own until eventually uh, we get an opportunity to be heard to be truly heard by somebody who we want so much to understand what we're dealing with that also is very very normal if uh, if I seem to be losing my train of thought and those sorts of things it's because my neighbor has decided to mow right when I'm recording this and uh, and I'm frustrated I'm frustrated because I don't have my quiet studio space that's still an ongoing project and uh, so <laughs> of course when I sit down to record they could mow the grass any day of the week any day of the week any time during any day of the week but the instant that I sit down here to record this is the instant that she decides to mow the grass and the um, the irony of that is both infuriating and hilarious at the same time so a little bit frustrated here but let's keep going on uh, craving to be heard in a true way and then spilling out that's what I call it uh, I remember that I got a visit from somebody maybe in the second or third year I think it was the third year of my recovery from borderline personality disorder I think I had just learned that my ex-wife had remarried or this was shortly before I learned about it but you know I had been really struggling with a lot of things and trying to get better trying to figure these things out you know my my health my emotional health the causes of of all those things and the solutions for them. and uh, somebody come over to my apartment knocked on the door came in said hey I just 
was thinking about you. Let's have uh, let's have some tea or something. You mind? And I said, no, come on in here. And uh, we sat down with some tea, and I was feeling just fine. I mean, I was uh, pleased to have this person's uh, time and visit. And as soon as they asked me about how I was doing, it was like the floodgates opened up. I started to tell them uh, to try to explain my frustrations, my struggles, my pain. I tried to explain all of this to them, and my emotions just welled up like water in a well come up in me and overflowed and uh, I couldn't control myself I started crying and I felt ridiculous because uh, I didn't really understand why why I was crying when you know these are issues these are things I'm dealing with every single day and I and I'm handling them they're not pleasant but I'm handling them but why when I get the opportunity to talk about it would my emotions behave that way and well up and overcome me like that well, if you think about it, while we're dealing with really difficult things on our own, we're having conversations with ourselves, aren't we? We're having conversations with ourselves about how hard this thing is, or how disappointed we are in this thing, or how sad this thing makes us feel, but we're dealing with it on our own. When we get an opportunity to express that, Think about how much time that that has been building up and building up and building up and and needing some kind of release. And then we get a kind-hearted person, somebody who's compassionate, who wants to understand, sits down and says, I'm the person. You don't know it, but you've been dying to express these things to somebody other than just to yourself in your subconscious brain. I'm going to give you the opportunity to let to express it to somebody else now when you finally get that opportunity isn't it like the pressure of a trillion tons of water is just bursting out of a dam and and, and that's sort of what it's like so you know I want to tell you folks who have talked to me and who that has happened to I don't think it's silly it's happened to me in the past it's completely natural and healthy and uh, understandable. It, it's not a, a thing of humiliation or anything like that for, for that to happen to you. For those of you who have not uh, had that experience or for those of you who believe that maybe you're holding on to a bunch of pressure like that and you need somebody to talk to, um, I, I'm your guy. Uh, you can do that on our group on locals you know we're all over there on uh, the last symptom dot locals dot com that's uh, l-o-c-a-l-s or you can download the locals dot com app from the app store and then just search for uh, the last symptom by brian barnett and that's a great resource uh, we do these live chats every once in a while that is a great opportunity for you to um, be heard to get these things out of you and to just be heard I can tell you that the folks in my group, in our community, can understand the nuances of what you're dealing with a lot better than probably anybody else can. And not only that, but offer you some possibly truly valuable insights uh, that could benefit you while you're dealing with these sorts of things. That's one way to do it. The other way is that you can schedule a call with me or a Zoom video call with me and um, and we can talk through it that way but I, I just want to talk about that I'm, I'm sharing some things with you in this episode that uh, to humanize me a little bit more and can let you know that I there are a lot of things that I identify with as just a normal guy and uh, so you know often when we realize that 
something some vulnerability that we're dealing with or something is not that all all that unusual or unique it really takes the pressure off doesn't it like bumping into some survival woodsman guy at walmart and getting all flustered and not knowing what to say and it's uh completely human and there's nothing shameful about being human and allowing ourselves to be human i want to tell you a story an extremely personal and intimate story real life story This is a story about my late buddy Jordan. For a very brief time in the late 90s and early 2000s, Jordan and I lived within about, oh, two miles of each other in Columbus, Ohio we both moved off and we both ended up in Columbus, Ohio. Now, he, first he had gone to Toledo, Ohio. Was up there for many years. I moved way north to Columbus and was there for a few years when he finally moved down to Columbus, Ohio. And we found ourselves within just a couple of miles of each other. Now, he got married he had met a girl in Columbus, or, or from from Columbus, and had married her. And she was making all the money, the the real money. I mean, he was working and everything, but she was the one who was pulling in the the bigger salary. So he he was kind of obligated to follow her around. And uh, they had an apartment not too far from me. I'd try to make it over there about once or twice a week. His ex-wife was not... Well, I mean, both of them were not <laughs> very mature at that time, but neither was I, and neither are most people at that age. I was in my early 20s. They were all about video games and movies and um, attending these... Uh, Conventions, what what they call it when you dress up like movie characters and stuff like that, and you go to these conventions, cosplay. They were all into that. And uh, well, the story could go on and on, but she seemed to like me sometimes, but a lot of the time she was very uh, hard to figure out and kind of cold and demanding. They lived there for a little while, and then uh, she got a job offer in Virginia. So they were going to move to Virginia. I can't remember where at in Virginia. But she was cheating on him. Uh, and she had been cheating on him while they were dating. Cheating on him after they got married. Cheating on him the whole time. At his wedding, uh, Jordan's mom walked into the bathroom, the women's bathroom, and found her in there with the, the photographer up under her dress, was supposedly helping her arrange her dress. The thing is, is that she had known the photographer for a long time, and they were very, very close. Even after they got married, she'd stay out until late hours of the night with this photographer friend of hers. And, you know, Jordan would be at home, and he was trying to be the cool husband who trusts his wife completely and doesn't get bent out of shape about things like that and trying to be cool about her having, you know, male friends and stuff like that. And, um, but it was, it was weighing on him. The reason why they moved to Virginia 
was supposedly because she got a job offer there. But guess who happened to live right there as well? The photographer. So, you know, you don't have to be a mathematician to, to put two and two together. But Jordan wasn't having it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't trust it. I mean, he he wouldn't believe it. And uh, so he was in heavy denial, just refusing to recognize that something was not right here. That uh, the obvious was probably what, you know, what was obvious to everybody, except for him, was probably what was really going on. So he moved off to Virginia. And uh, one weekend, I was planning on going to visit him. And I'd been talking to him on the phone all that week, making our plans, what we were, what we were going to do, you know, how good it was going to be to see him. He was excited to see me. I was look, really looking forward to seeing his new house and his new neighborhood there and everything. I was really scraping pennies at that time just to make sure that I'd have plenty of funds to be able to go and see him and have a good time. We'd be able to watch plenty of movies and all that stuff. It got to be Thursday night. I was going to drive uh, down there on a Friday. It got to be Thursday night, and he, uh, my phone rang. And it was late. I think it was midnight on that Thursday night right around midnight I answered the phone and it was his voice on the other end hey there Brian I said, oh hey Jordan how's it going man looking forward to seeing you tomorrow he says well uh, there's something I gotta tell you and do you remember that uh, that those emotions welling up you know you think you're in perfect control and then your emotions well up and you you just can't hold them back uh, that's what happened to him. And Jordan did not cry. Jordan only ever rarely, rarely cried. And when he started speaking again, he, he couldn't control himself. His voice cracked, it, it broke down, and he was quiet on the other end for a, a while. I, I heard him sobbing on the, on the other end of the line. And I didn't know what was going on. I had no clue what was going on. But I just let him cry for a while. I didn't try to interrupt him. I didn't try to say anything. I just listened to him for a little while on the other end of the the line. And then finally when it got quiet, what I said to him was, uh, it, it's really hard sometimes, ain't it? And he said, yes, it is. And then he said, I, I have to cancel your trip it's just not going to work out and I said okay anything you know we'll we'll do it another time um, I didn't know what was going on but I knew that it involved her and their whole marriage by the way did not last six months the whole marriage did not last six months so he says listen Brian I, I'll tell you everything about this at some point but not tonight I just need to get some sleep he says I'm I'm exhausted he says uh, do me a favor if you talk to my dad and now remember his dad was my Cherokee mentor that I'll, I'm always telling you about he said if you talk to my dad don't tell him anything about this I, and I said okay I won't I won't say anything um, I didn't foresee myself talking to Dave. It was already, like I said, it was already midnight on a Thursday night. So I didn't foresee myself having an opportunity to talk to him. But he says, don't, don't say anything to my dad. And I say, all right, I, I won't. I assumed that there were things going on between him and Lauren that he didn't want his dad to worry about or you know there were just a lot of things but I said okay I won't and uh, finally he he said I'm, I gotta get going I said okay well just be safe be good alright so he hung up and uh, 
no sooner did I hang up the phone with him and I'm sitting there just thinking about what that whole conversation that had just happened I was very concerned for him worried about him you know and just thinking about is there anything possibly that I could do to help and really angry at his wife Lauren because like I said we all knew I mean anybody with half a brain knew what was going on there she, she wasn't coming home till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning after spending the whole evening with the photographer. And then she'd come home to Jordan, and um, and they're brand new, uh, brand new newlyweds. It, this is not like they've been married for 20 years, and she's hanging out with um, work colleagues. You know, even that would be understandable. But every night till 2 o'clock in the morning, she's a brand new married woman. And this photographer, this photographer that will not go away and is just there all the time. Um, so I, I suspected that that had a lot to do with a lot of what was going on. So I, I get off the phone with Jordan and not, it couldn't have been five, ten minutes later, my phone rings again. I think it's Jordan because, like I said, He's the only person I can imagine who would call me that late at night. Well, it's it's not Jordan. It's his dad, Dave. Brian. Dave had a really booming, deep voice. Brian. I'm not I'm not doing his voice. I'm not doing a very good imitation. A lot less collar to his voice than what I'm giving it. It wasn't that uh, flamboyant. Brian. Brian. Oh, hello, Brian. Yeah, that's about how he said it. Hello, Brian. Uh, how are you doing? This is Dave Selvage. I said, hey, Dave. He says, listen, I, I was just laying here thinking about your trip tomorrow. Jordan tells me you're going to go see him there at his new place in Virginia. I said, yeah. He says, well, I I wanted to share with you some uh, tips for how to get there, some shortcuts and th- those sorts of things. I said, okay. So Dave and I, we talked for probably 40 minutes. He kept giving me specific details about what to do, where to go, uh, all these things, these ideas for what we could do that weekend. And um, so I had to have this conversation for with Dave for like 40 minutes without revealing to him that the, the whole trip was off, that I wasn't going. But I just, I took the information, uh-huh, thank you, Dave, thank you, I appreciate that. And I thought maybe I can use it in another time. But man, there was a temptation there for me to say something to him because, of course, I was very concerned for Jordan, but I didn't say anything. Um, Thank Dave for, for helping me out, for calling, got off the phone with him. Friday came and went. Saturday, I got a call from Dave. He said, Brian, the other night when I was talking to you, did you know that Jordan was having problems with Lauren and that you weren't going to be going to see Jordan? And I thought, you got to keep in mind, his voice always was just very deep and serious. Even when he's joking, it was serious. But he asked me that. Did you know all this and you knew that you weren't going to see Jordan and you let me talk for like 40 minutes about all the things you could do that weekend and I said that's that's right Dave um, Jordan asked me not to say anything and Dave said <laughs> he said I love you more <clears throat> I love you more than you'll ever know now even more than I did before he said you really have just proven yourself to be the best of friends to Jordan he said uh, Jordan showed up here late Friday night early Saturday morning uh, he was locked out of the house and Lauren changed all the keys and everything and and he's back here in Toledo and we'd all like you to come up 
and spend the weekend with us. And so I said, yes, sir. And I dropped everything and I drove up to Toledo, Ohio, and I spent that weekend with them. And that was when I got the whole story from Jordan about all the problems with uh, Lauren. And that, that turned out to be the last time that he and her lived together. Um, but I got to spend that weekend with Dave and Jordan, really trying to comfort Jordan. What had happened was, uh, you know, he'd come home from work, and uh, she had had all the locks and everything changed, and she was in there with the photographer. And uh, just heartbroken, he had to drive from Virginia to Toledo, and he drove all night in that emotional state. I remember he told me that the first thing he did was he stopped by a, a Barnes & Noble bookstore and bought a, a big book on CD, like an audio book, so that he could listen to it on the drive to Toledo. But he, he kept falling asleep and on the drive. At one point, he... he um, woke up and realized that he was in the wrong lane of traffic so he was going the wrong way in, in traffic gotten turned around somehow but just because of his emotional state and just exhaustion you know just complete exhaustion but he finally made it to Toledo and, uh, but I'll never forget that I'll never forget Dave scaring me like that uh, making me think that he was not making me think, but unintentionally his form of questioning about did I know that that Jordan was having problems and and I you know I, did I let him talk for forty minutes about that weekend without stopping him and saying you know the 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 trip is actually canceled I'm not going to be able to go and then him coming back with that 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 praise and just. He, he was kind of like amazed that I had not, that I had resisted the urge to tell him anything and had just played it perfectly straight. Uh, he was so proud of me for that and considered that such a, a profound act of friendship on my part for his son. Yeah, the, the man already loved me like a son, but after that, his respect for me, I think, just went through the roof. It was a good weekend we spent together. One of the last few where it was just him and me and Jordan. And we uh, did a lot of good eating, went and saw some good movies. Our thing was always movies, restaurants, um, uh, cultural things, you know, like going to museums, the art museum. Uh, by the way, Toledo, Ohio has an amazing art museum. They're really impressive. It's The Toledo Museum of Art is about 9,000 times better than the Columbus Museum of Art. Um, the, the Columbus Museum of Art is an embarrassment from or at least it was the last time I was there, which has been uh, granted a few years. But of course, none of them match up to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Folks, I, I realize that this has been a kind of an unusual type of episode, but it's the last one of this season, so I thought I'd just do a little bit something different. Uh, fighting with the lady mowing the grass right next door and all kinds of other distractions. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend, and I hope that you enjoy this kind of personal, very personal, personal and personable episode of the Last Symptom Podcast. Uh, announcements. <laughs> now that we're at the very end, thelastsymptom.com. It's my website for resources. Go uh, poke around in there. See if there's anything in there that could do you any good. I appreciate y'all. Take care. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Blackbirds singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. You were only waiting for this moment 
to arise You were only waiting for this moment to arise